0: No. It's enough. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to Small Council Radio. It has been forever, uh, but I have a bunch of uh, topics slated to get back in the swing of things. I know I've said that before. Um, I hope you all understand. Uh, 2023 was a very rough year for me and uh, my family, but things are looking up. Uh, time seems to be, uh, you know, a little more forgiving uh, week to week. So. Should have plenty of time to at least get a show, uh, once a week for you guys, but no better way to start it off than with the new season. Season four is finally here. Uh, you know, we're a couple of days late to the, you know, to covering it, but I'm sure you guys will understand, um, you know, we, uh. We've been itching to talk about it, just uh, today was the first day that really aligned for a lot of the hosts here at Small Council Radio, uh, but tonight, I have, or I should say today, I want to say tonight, because I just got off a 26-hour shift, uh, but uh, today I have with me Cyrus and Spencer. Thank you both for coming on to cover this with me.
2: Yeah,
0: no problem. Glad to be back.
2: Yeah, good to be back. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: So... Um, we're going to,
1: you know, kind of before we jump right into it, you know, give a little brief, uh, you know, what we've been doing while we're gone. I know we kind of keep our shows to like two hours, so we'll try to keep it brief so we can get right into it. Uh, we are going to be covering the rulebook stuff, the um, terrain and the mission. And then we're going to jump into hopefully half of the factions today. And then we're going to do a part two where we cover the other half. Um, it's just, it's so much content. There's no way we're going to be able to get it all in one show. Uh, as for myself, um, I took, I've been kind of on and off with the show just because everything going on, but prior to about 10 weeks ago, I was still playing. Um, I was still like getting games in whenever I could. Uh, but about 10 weeks ago, my four of my kids, uh, ended up really getting into Pokemon. And with everything going on, I felt it was, you know, it would just be good if I got into it too, even though Pokemon didn't really interest me, um that much. But, you know, I figure if they're gonna be doing it, I'm gonna be taking them to Pokemon League every Saturday. I might as well give myself something to do while I'm there all day with them. Uh, so I started up Pokemon. It's been alright. Uh, it, uh, I used to play a lot of card, uh, card games. And, so it was a nice, uh, nice refresher there um even though it you know it doesn't even hold a candle to uh if anyone out there has played uh Dragon Ball Z by uh Panini um the remake from the Dragon Ball Z score uh game absolutely amazing game um and unfortunately was not very long lived only lasted about 2 years before their licensing went up and then another company snaked it anyways so That's what I've been doing the last ten weeks is Pokemon. Now I'm gonna kind of be doing it like in every other week with the kids, and my wife's gonna be kind enough to do the opposite week so that I can really get back into, uh, you know, getting some ice and fire. And played uh, my first games uh, on Saturday, last Saturday, uh, which was our local tournament. Ran Starks. Uh, I wanted to run something. Very simple, but still strong. So I ran like a number and a, an edited list, but nothing too crazy. Didn't do like double Tully Cav or nothing. But um went three and one. It was a very fun day. Uh Kind of long. We did four rounds. And for a first kind of day back, my head was throbbing by the end. You know, just was not used to the all day sort of a thing. When you're playing Pokemon and it's only like five hours total and, you know, you're sitting down the whole time a lot different atmosphere so that's what i've been doing uh excited to be back and excited to cover this topic um and i'll uh, pass it over to you cyrus how you've been oh
0: i've been pretty good
1: uh now I, I have
0: had a much longer absence from the podcast than you have and a general absence from the game as well um i did purchase a, a new house a year and a half ago and the dynamic of My free time just completely changed and the way that I was able to you know allocate my time and and resources and all that and also around that same time I was experiencing you know some pretty significant burnout for the game Uh, not that I didn't like the game it's just I was kind of obsessing with it and and I was thinking about it all the time and I was going to all the open play events and as many tournaments as I could go to and burnout is absolutely real even in things that you enjoy and I was definitely feeling it. And then on top of that, I was trying to do, you know, the, the extra shots, episodes for the podcast. And those were becoming really daunting. I, uh, I have a new respect for creators that do all their own work and all their own editing and, and recording and all that. And it's, it could be difficult. And I'm sure I wasn't doing any of it how it's supposed to be done. I was doing it the only way that I knew how to make it work. And it was just getting to be too much. And I was never looking forward to trying to edit a new episode. And I ended up stopping doing, which which I I really hate because there's a lot of people that were enjoying those episodes and I cut them off. I wasn't able to complete them and I kept having to restart them whenever a new version came out. Uh, So for any of anybody, any of the listeners uh, that were enjoying those that missed them, I'm I'm sorry, Uh, I probably would not. Restart that particular format again, uh, just because I I can't do all of that editing again that I was doing. But uh, it's possible that I could do some maybe more long form episodes where you're going to have a lot more ums and uhs and long you know spaces between sentences as I you know collect my thoughts. But uh, at least there'll be some content that I might be able to get back into doing. Um, I'm about to play in a, a tournament this weekend i have able to get some time to where i can actually start playing again and i'm very much looking forward to it and i'm uh looking forward to it with this new patch even though the lannisters weren't exactly treated the best of of everyone but uh i can't complain too much
1: yeah uh things have been crazy all around i think uh so Spencer, I know you've been kind of holding down the fort. You've been pretty much playing every uh, tournament, uh, playing at least like every other week, uh, if not like every week, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, been doing pretty well. Uh, so
2: how 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 are things going for you? Uh, they've been going pretty good. Uh, I'm the one that, I suppose, on the uh, small council that didn't suffer burnout or any uh, personal. Problems going on that I had to deal with, so I got to kind of stay the course and keep going normal. Uh, so, yeah, I've been showing up to all the local tournaments that we have. Uh, the I was in the same one you were just in. I got second place going three and one with Boltons. Uh, we'll get to them talking about them later in this show. Uh, but, yeah, I've I've tried to still get in at least monthly games. It may not be every other week, but it might be at least every one out of every three weeks or so. Uh, And it's been good. Uh, Kind of been branching out and doing a little less of my Baratheon, but we'll talk about them tonight, today as well.
1: Awesome. So, yeah, uh, uh, if I didn't already mention um, the factions we'll be talking about is uh, Baratheon, Lannister, Neutral, Bolton, and Targ, I believe in that order. Um, We figured it'd be good to, since, you know, there's the Strong Crows and Targs. Uh, we'd keep those two together and because Boltons uh the neutral Boltons work with Lannister so well and then obviously Bolton faction and then because Spencer's on the show and he he mains uh Baratheons, that's kinda that's the reasoning for why we're doing the factions in case anyone's like, Well, why are they talking about that stuff? So I apologize for those that were probably Really looking forward to the night's watch on this one. Originally, they were slated to be in the show, but uh, we moved some things around because it just made more sense. Uh, but stay tuned for that other show. I'm hoping tomorrow night, um, if not maybe Sunday night. So it'll be soon. So it won't be like like a whole week from now. Uh, I want to get these parts all kind of done within a short time of each other because, uh, you know, they're all, you know, once this, uh, is like a week, two weeks old. It's, I wouldn't say old news, but, you know, it's just not as interesting. Uh, you know, people have gotten a chance to get a bunch of games in and really dive into, uh, uh, list building. So, um, so yeah, uh, we can jump right into, uh, we'll do the, uh, rulebook changes. So, I'm just going off the Season 4 change log, and then I'm going to use some other stuff as reference as we go through it. But, uh, so, for the rulebook changes, uh, Battlefield Terrain, uh, they've added a third method in choosing terrain layout for your games called Battlefield Layouts. This method gives players pre-generated pools of specific terrain to choose from, representing various battlefields. So, I don't have that, like, all the different options pulled up, but uh, I do know that they're all kind of thematic, um, like one is like bogs and stuff, one's a bunch of walls, you know, with the palisades and low walls, and so on, um, and you basically roll on the chart to see which pool of terrain you get. Uh, these terrain pieces are not preset. set um, have to, I believe, roll off and then uh, back and forth place them within the confines of uh, uh, terrain deployment uh for whatever mission you're playing, um, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I think it's interesting. I like that it's there. It, I mean, more is not necessarily always better, uh, but I think in this case, it's you know, it's nice to have the option. Um, I think that also opens up the uh, the ability for tournament organizers or whoever. To either use this and/or just make their own pool of terrain, like preset pools of terrain that they can roll off of. If let's say you think one, you know, one or two of these uh, options you could roll for is a little too strong or too skewed, you could kind of make your own chart that's similar to this, like a uh, like a homebrew uh, option. What do you guys think? Uh, let's start with you, Spence.
2: Yeah, it's it's always nice to have more options. Um... I actually like the way we do it, where we pick one piece and then roll for a random second piece. Uh, adds a little variety, but this is another way to do it, and that's not a bad thing. So I, I don't see it as a good thing, or I see it as a good thing, but it's not a thing that I'm personally interested in. Uh, more options are always good. That's about all I have to think about it.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know you bring up the way we do it, and that's it's funny because I actually wanted to mention that but forgot all about it. So, yeah, I would agree. The way that we do it is by far my favorite. For anyone that doesn't know already, I know I've mentioned it once or twice before, the way our group uh, does it and a couple groups around us has kind of adapted because they like it so much. And now we got, like, uh, like, our last tournament we just had had 16, and then we have, like, four, at least four more that are, you know, fairly consistent that just weren't there. So we have a pretty large group now and they're all, you know, they're all kind of loving the way we do it and that's uh it's four pieces no more no less and it's um you roll off whoever wins the roll uh picks a piece of terrain puts it into the pool the next person picks a piece of terrain and puts it into the pool then the the first person then rolls for the third piece randomly on the chart given by Simon then The fourth piece is rolled randomly by the other player. Now you have four pieces, two that were player-picked, two that were randomly generated, and then you roll off again, and then you start placing. I know it sounds like a lot confusing, but I'm telling you, we have a a decent-sized group, and no one has any issues, and they're loving it. Because you have some element of control of what's going on the board, while not just having two weirwoods, two corpse piles. You know, a lot of the games will often be like one weirwood, one corpse pile. You've rolled like a low wall randomly, and then you roll like a bog randomly, and that's a pretty uh, awesome, you know, uh group of terrain. And then e- even then, you still roll off, and you might not even get these. If I if I uh, picked weirwood, my opponent could win the roll off and be like, I don't want that we're anywhere near these objectives and, you know, put it away from everything. So it, it's a nice, uh, kind of in between the player choice and the all random. But anyways, I, uh, I'll get off that tangent and, uh, see what you think about this, Cyrus.
0: Uh, it's not bad. Uh, it's definitely much more, you know, logically satisfying. Uh, oh. That you know you can actually have a battlefield that's a little bit more you know random like you would expect you know in real life, and you know fluff wise that's good. Strategically, it could hamstring those who put a lot of thought into their terrain choices. Um, it will kind of shorten the gap between the much more experienced players and the newer players uh, because the experienced players have an, an ability to really exploit. Uh, the the terrain in their favor just because they have put a lot of thought into it as opposed to a player that just picks them. You know, it's like, oh, I just feel like a, a bog. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just grab a bog now, even though it may not favor their list. So uh, strategically, you know, I think the more experienced players might balk at this a little bit uh, because it takes away just a, that tiny little bit of edge that they were able to get over, you know, moderate or, or newer players, but overall, I don't think it's that big of a deal.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it doesn't save, like, a crazy amount of time, but if you're not playing in a tournament and the pieces of terrain aren't, like, going to completely break the game, you know, this setup is pretty nice for the more casual player that just like, okay, let's roll, you roll one die, to find out what group of terrain, and you roll one more die to see who places the first piece. Done. You know, trying to figure out if it's player choice, you know, more casual players don't always know exactly what they want, when they want right away. It takes them a, a minute per piece, per player. Uh, and, uh, and then not only that, uh, random, same thing, rolling a random piece, you know, now you gotta look up what it is, because a lot of more casual players don't know it by heart. Um, so I think, uh, this is, this is, uh, a win for casual play, because it's going to quicken the games by, you know, I would say three to five minutes, uh, depending on the players. Um, so, uh, again, I think it's a win for casual, and I still think, uh, you know, even more uh competitive people could definitely use it especially if they want to challenge you know, it is a you know we're playing a dice game it's it's all random obviously less randomness is a little better for being able to figure out what you need to do but you know again it's options and it's it's nice hopefully it all takes right.
0: off uh, hopefully it takes off better than the alternate list building rules did
1: oh yeah <laughs> And I liked the alternate list building rules in theory. I just wasn't a big fan of what was presented, if that makes sense. Um, but that's you know that's kind of off topic. Uh, anyways, uh, next up, this one. This is probably the thing I'm the most excited about out of the whole patch. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take credit for this one just because I can, just because I want to, even though I technically have no proof. Uh, but if anyone listening remembers, we had Fabio on the show, and I brought this up to him. I said, and you can go back listen to that episode. I mentioned, hey, we should uh, whoever wins or whoever is forced to pick the deployment because they lost the role, or even I guess if you win the role and then you wanted to pick deployment, uh, they should be allowed to pick who goes for or who has to deploy first or second. Because you get so many advantages if you win that role and then you defer, meaning you then get to pick first or second after finding out all this other information and your opponent then has to deploy the first unit. There is there is literally one advantage to to all that and that was often picking your side, which often didn't mean much because the sides were symmetri- symmetrical or, you know, such a such little difference that it didn't really impact the the outcome. So uh, the change is that uh, they've changed uh, determining their first turn uh, in deployment. Um, the player who selects their deployment zone will also choose which player deploys the first unit. So when I had brought this up on that show... Uh, on that episode, you know, Fabio seemed really receptive to it. He thought that was a really good change. So, um, you know, I like I said, I'm gonna take credit for this one, even though, you know, that's just me me wanting wanting to. Um, have no proof. I never talked to Fabio about it after that episode. Um, it. Who knows? Maybe it wasn't even Fabio that came up with this. Maybe it was just someone else and just be, you know, coincidence. But I'm super happy it's here. Um, I like to think that, you know, maybe the reason I like it so much is that for me, it feels like uh, like they're actually listening to the community, uh, you know, listening and then taking what makes sense, Um And then if you note, the episode was quite a while ago, so it wasn't like, oh, hey, that's a good idea. All right, let's implement it next week. Uh, They took their time, which uh, I'm appreciative of. I think rushing into a change is rarely the way to go about it. Though you can kind of get lucky sometimes, and rushing into something might just happen to work. But uh, taking your time to make sure that it uh, all works out, I think, is the best. Um, Cyrus, what do you think about this change?
0: I don't really have strong opinions on this one. Uh, it, it just it kind of made sense to me the way that it, it was. I mean, having all of the early game outcomes decided by a die roll—if you lost the die roll—you're going to be at a disadvantage to start. That it, it just it, it made sense to me. But this change—it's you know, fine. Like I said, I don't have strong opinions on it either way. Uh, I, I think it'll work out just fine, and, and players will adapt to it.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, it's not gonna like, epically change the entire game somehow, but I think it's gonna definitely create a lot less feel bads, uh, when you lose that die roll, uh, knowing that you at least have one more small little advantage in your favor. And I think it might be a little healthier because you might actually see an, a small uptick in players actually picking, uh, their side because Especially if you're a five drop uh list and they're a four drop and you can force them to drop first, that could be huge, um especially if you have things that really need to be deployed away from or next to other things. so uh I'm excited for it. What about you, Spence?
2: Yeah, I think this is a I'm with you. I think this is a really good change uh it It is a big deal for as you're alluding to, setting up matchups when you're like, I need this unit to fight against their unit because that I have an advantage in that you know, that matchup. Setting being able to see what your opponent's doing and then counter deploy how how it works is an underrated part of the game. Um, games have swung right you know, right from the beginning when you're just like, ah oh, crap, I'm in a bad spot because they deployed this unit. And that unit counters what I'm doing. It it can make a big deal, but it seems small. I'm interested, or I like it. I think it's a really good change. Uh, it gives a little more control to the person who loses that uh, dice roll.
1: Yep. And I think uh, four-drop lists are really going to have to be, be weary of this, too, because... Um, mm-hmm. It's not only as simple as a 50-50 now. You now have to factor another layer because it's, it's not just, okay, I roll a die, and then if I win or lose, okay, I can then determine both first or second and uh, first drop. Now it's, okay, if I lose this die, and it goes both ways. You could lose the die roll and then still be deferred picking sides and then that way you, your four-drop can elect to have them deploy first or vice versa. So there's, there's an extra layer um, there that uh, you have extra chances to not get what you want, but also more chances if you lose that die roll, depending on what your, your opponent chooses. But I absolutely love this change. Um, I think, again, it's going to create a lot less feel, feels-bad uh, moment, uh, moments when you uh, lose that die roll. Uh, knowing that you have a little extra something in your favor. Alright, so next up we have the game, uh, they added one new game mode, Banners and Butchery. So this one I only briefly heard about, so anyone that uh, has not listened to it already, definitely go check out Turning Grounds. Uh, They have uh, like a five and a half hour or something um, episode talking about all the changes. So I hadn't actually gotten a chance to read this mission yet. I've only heard uh, what I've heard from
2: Turning Grounds,
1: so uh, bear with me as I kind of read it out and then we kind of talk over it kind of on the spot. So this is kind of a first impressions uh, take. All right, so Banners of its deployment is the whole board. So basically you have half the board and your opponent has half the board. Uh, there is no part of the board that is not someone's deployment. There are four objectives uh, in the four kind of middles of the quarters, so 12 in uh, on both sides, so 12 in, 12 in. So there's four of them. Um, Then uh, terrain may be placed anywhere outside of six from table edges or other terrain pieces, and you cannot use impassable terrain. Uh, so one thing I want to point out, kind of a little pet peeve here, uh, and not with the the designers. This is a pet peeve just kind of with people who fight against, against the ability to make your own terrain. This says terrain with the impassable. We only have one piece that's impassable, if I'm not mistaken, right? So why not just say terrain, uh, um, palisade terrain? may not be used. The reason for that is because they are telling you, make your own terrain. Come on, people. Let's make our own terrain. Let's make it a thing. Uh, We need to somehow implement that. All right. I'm going to get off that tangent. Let's get back to the mission. Um, So terrain with the impassable keyword may not be placed. Uh, So no palisades uh, in this one, which, you know, I don't know. It is what it is. I mean, palisades are, you can attack them um maybe it's so you don't place one right in front of the objective or something i guess that that probably be the most likely reason why not to include it uh, i'm sure it's something in testing that uh caused that uh special rules deployment a unit may never be deployed within an inch of an enemy unit uh and the reason they had to put that in there is because if you deploy right on the edge and your opponent then deploys right on the edge touching your unit since the entire board is technically Deployment zones. Uh, you would technically start the game engaged. So um, basically, whoever's dropping the first unit, you have now. If you drop them right on your the edge of your deployment line, you've now created kind of like this one-inch bubble into your enemy, into the enemy's deployment where they can't deploy. Not really a big issue, I think, um, when you're starting that close. But it's there just to you know so people don't accidentally do it. Alright, special rules for the objectives. A unit ending a move with its tray entirely overlapping a token claims that token. A unit controls a token it has claimed as long as it is not engaged by an enemy combat unit with more remaining ranks than it. The moment this happens, it immediately stops controlling the token. Solos count as having remaining ranks equal to their wounds. Uh, Tokens that are not entirely overlapped are not claimed. Objective tokens placed on the Uh, on the player's deployment zone count as a friendly objective token. So because there's going to be two in yours and two in your opponents, the two in your deployment zone are considered friendly. Uh, And then uh, objectives in the enemy's deployment zone are considered enemy objective tokens. So beginning on round two, a unit controlling an objective token may destroy that objective token with an attack. Each time an objective token is destroyed, its owner places one friendly objective token anywhere fully within their deployment zone and at least six inches from another objective token on the table. Um, so before I get into the special scoring, so basically there was some confusion. I think it's clear, but, you know, it's, I'm sure other people don't think it's clear. Uh Basically it's saying that you have to destroy the your opponent's objectives, the ones on their side. Um, you, you're, you can. I think the way it's worded, you could technically destroy your own, but then you're going to start giving points to your opponent um, because there. You could say there is a strategy to uh, destroy one of yours, then re, uh, redeploy that objective closer to your other one or further back to prevent it from being repeatedly destroyed. Um, Personally, I don't know if that would be wise, but who knows? Um, Anyways, going on to special scoring. Score three victory points each time a friendly unit destroys an enemy objective token. Score one victory point each time your commander's unit destroys an enemy objective token. Score one victory point each time your commander's unit destroys an enemy unit with an ability or attack. The rule victory through combat is not applicable in this scenario. So killing units does not give victory points. Um, and going back to that first one, though, score three victory points each time a friendly unit destroys an enemy objective token. Uh, and then going back over to special rules... Beginning of round two, a unit controlling an objective token may destroy that objective with an attack action. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I'm pretty sure the way this is worded, rules is, you know, rules is written. You can destroy your own and not give points to your opponent. You wouldn't get points either, but you could destroy it and then, uh, let's see, each time an objective token is destroyed, its owner so yeah, you could destroy your own token and then redeploy it, and neither player would get points for it. What, what do you think, Spence?
2: Yeah, I was thinking along similar uh, thought process. Um, I think that could become a problem, because then you'll just see people destroy their own objective and move it further away from the opponent, and it just becomes a gimmicky of who can get to the others at all. Um, we'll see. this. This mission sounds interesting to try. I don't know if it'll work in practice though. Now, I'm assuming they have done some testing with it so it must do something, but it it doesn't it, it doesn't sound like it's all button, you know, like it's buttoned up enough to to get all the kinks out yet. So, we'll see, but yeah, I think so,
1: um the, the true bear- winner
2: of this uh, go ahead there's, bear,
0: bear in mind that the day after the patch release, they released a new version of this game with new wording. Uh, I can't remember which came first, whether it's the one that you were reading or the one that says score three victory points for each enemy objectives uh, scored at the end of the game. Um, I believe that that is the new wording, uh, but that opens up a new bag of worms that you will end up probably having to play a full six-round game and then you score the points at the end.
1: Yeah, let me uh, pull it up on the the War Council, because I'm, I'm looking at the Season 4 rulebook PDF. That might not be updated yet. Well, maybe my War Council isn't updated either. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, I think the links for War Council are broken for the documents. I'm trying to go back in the discussion on Sunday slaughter to see if it's uh still there. Okay, so uh we have yesterday, yeah, yesterday was a score 3 victory points for each enemy objective token destroyed at the end of the game. No, no, no. And then we also have score 3 victory points each time a friendly unit destroys an enemy objective token. Well, it doesn't say on here which one was first, so I couldn't tell you. Gotcha.
1: Uh, But the only change, though, you're saying, though, is that you don't score it until the end. The dilemma of killing your own objective and then moving it won't do anything?
0: Uh, No, because you'll still count it as an enemy objective token being destroyed at the end of the the game. So you will give them three points, but it won't score until the end. So So you will basically have to hope to table your opponent.
1: Uh, Before where uh, if you could read me that wording again, where's it mentioned that your friendly objectives become enemy objectives?
0: Okay, so So your friendly objectives are always the enemy objectives, right? That they want to destroy Right Okay, so Hold on, hold on. I'm uh, trying to read (laughs) this again. So if you destroy your own friendly objective token, you have destroyed an enemy objective token for them. That's what the wording says? That's the way I'm reading it. Again, I wish I I knew which one was first. Otherwise, we could be just spinning our wheels at this point. Because the one I'm Um, looking
2: at specifies a friendly unit destroying an enemy objective. If you destroy yours, your enemy has not destroyed it.
0: Okay, so if that's yeah, if that's the current ruling then everything yeah, that I've I'm just looking said on the site
2: on but I don't know if this is updated either. It doesn't say.
1: Alright. Alright, well we'll we'll leave it at that so we can get on to the, the units for you guys uh, listening. Uh, in short, pool concept a little confusing especially cuz we can't really find uh whatever is the most uh current rule set again i like the i like the idea behind it i think there's definitely going to be need uh some king, uh, kinks worked out so um all right so let's move on um see, so the tournament guidelines have changed uh they have new tournament rules and team tournament rules. I'm not going to go over all of that. Uh, any, any of the more competitive players that are really interested in those rules, definitely go check out their, uh, their CMON site. Uh, you can click on there. Um, the nice part is, uh, this is something the turning ground, uh, that, uh, Mickey had, uh, pointed out is this is the first time that, um, the two have had the same title uh as each other, the team turnout rules and the turnout rules. Um so that's that's really interesting. Um all right. Next up, uh let me just reference okay, we're going to talk about Baratheons first. Let me scroll down to them. Okay, here they are. All right. So uh, Courtney Penrose, uh, Kathleen, uh of Storm's End. Uh, his thing has changed. Let me Get my uh, app back up.
2: His Might of the Throne. Yep. His might of the Throne has changed to melee attack or charge, so it's no longer a range attack.
1: Yep. And that's uh and that's true for all mites of the throne. So any uh any character any attachment that has might of the throne, I believe it's only two people, but um a lot of the changes you'll uh hear about are pretty much universally changed um throughout uh all the different factions to be uh in line with each other. Um let me just find the cards. Here we go. C- cards. Why Why's this got to be so difficult? Um, of course, they're not in order. Um, yep, so Might of the Throne is melee only. Um, I think it's fine. Uh, I think being able to repeatedly give ranged units free attacks uh, is a little much uh, as, you know, no one can quite do it the way, uh, Othel used to be able to do it and the old good old, um, uh, Othel with crossbows and watch captain days. But, um, it's still quite annoying that and, you know, that we'll talk about them later, but, you know, Lannisters and their crossbows. So I like the change. Um, what do you, what do you think, uh, Cyrus?
0: Yeah, this is a blanket change over anyone that had might of the throne um that i wish it still had a little bit more versatility i wish they added a maneuver option in there right now just being a melee attack or charge uh it's pretty limiting now we know that you know kevin crossbows were very prevalent and problematic um and i think this uh this was probably necessary but it's it's very limiting at this point
1: yep what about you Spence
2: I would agree it's limiting, but I'm actually okay with that just because getting free attacks off of a zone that doesn't normally give you free attacks is still a really powerful effect. So it's kind of, well, we need to limit it because it's powerful. Um, So I'm okay with it. Uh, Even as a Penrose supporter, it doesn't really bother me that much.
1: Yep. All right, next up, we have Battle Scars on Brienne Rainbow Guard. Uh, Battle Scars, as far as I'm aware, on every single person in the game was changed to this. Each time this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack die, choose one, and for each destroyed rank, choose another one. You can either choose Vicious, re-roll, attack di- uh, re-roll any attack dice, or this unit rolls its highest attack die value. Um one point as far I'm, as far as I'm aware on everybody uh absolutely phenomenal uh this is amazing for one point, you not only have the versatility of choosing any of the three but rerolling any attack dice is just universally worth in my opinion worth one point. What do you think, spence
2: yeah, this is uh this is pretty interesting. Uh, it would only be for melee attacks, but, but yeah, cause it's oh, specific, yeah,
1: because it's yeah, yeah, the is specific shooter, to see.
2: melee. But I would still think in general the card or the ability definitely got a facelift. It is definitely much better than it was. You're no longer punishing your opponent to, for attacking you. Well, I mean, you are because destroyed ranks will give you more abilities. But you get to pick which one is be- more beneficial for you at the time, even without losing a rank. That's a big deal. It means you're getting benefits for the ability all the time rather than just when your opponent's attacking you. Uh, yeah, I actually already readjusted one of my lists to throw Brienne in one of my lists just to see how it works out, but I'm I'm excited to actually try this.
1: Oh, and she's there.
0: Yeah, this is uh, pretty dang good. Uh, it makes any unit that this uh, attachment is in Extremely dangerous at one rank. I mean you're going to have all three abilities, re-rolls, max attack dice, and vicious. It's not something that you're going to want to tangle with. This ability makes a lot more sense than the previous ability, especially when you think about units like the Great Walrus and Free Folk. I mean you you had to survive multiple attacks you know, with a unit of raiders in order to get the most out of his ability and that wasn't really going to happen. So this version here, I think, uh, is very, very good, and I think it's going to see a lot of play.
1: Yep. I can't wait to use uh, Battle Scars in a lot of factions. Uh, Most factions have someone with Battle Scars, so it'll be a nice nice addition to pretty much everywhere. All right, next up we got Rainbow Guard. They had the uh, Order Resilience added, and they added Rally Cry. But they removed, uh, perseverance and valor and removed rally point. But their morale did improve from five to a four. Um, overall, uh, amazing, uh, change. That resilience is, I think, key to helping these, uh, as you'll see with the King's Guard, same thing. Uh, it's key. I think it's going to be key for these, uh, eight wound, uh, units to survive. Now keep in mind there's plenty of things to shut off orders so i don't think uh this unit's going to be tough to kill but you shut off that order and i think uh when your opponent's not expecting it and you could really uh you know uh, kill this unit uh i wouldn't say super easily but you know uh it it wouldn't be as hard as most people would What, what do you think cyrus
0: I'm incredibly jealous, because this is the best (laughs) version of the Kingsguard in the game. Uh, Because this doesn't have the major downsides like uh, Joffrey Commander does. So, yeah, this is a really good change for the unit. It's probably going to see more play, uh, particularly this version here in Baratheon's.
1: Yep. Well and the funny thing is that uh i could i could see these guys being back to are they six points yeah, yeah, they're six points. I could definitely see these guys being back to seven points um you know because and keeping the king's guard six, and the offset would be the fact that uh Joffrey has those downsides on his cards, whereas uh Renly does not. Um, And I think that would be, in my opinion, fair for a one-point difference. But these guys, at six points are just amazing. Uh, Spence, what do you think? I think you might be muted.
2: Sorry. Uh, Yes, I was. Um, (laughs) uh, The one thing I would point out, though, in response to your little argument is Joffrey also – has stronger cards than that. Now, the cards do come with a downside, but their actual effect is stronger than than what Renly does. Um, but, yes, this is incredible for both them, for Rainbow Guard and Kingsguard. They're both very durable now, very useful. Um, I did like the Rally Cry edition. I didn't think they would get that, but it is an interesting little thing to kind of give another call to Renly Loyalty that's all about healing and I I think yes this unit's going to be used noticeably more uh, it, it, it's, it's also just hard to gauge because it's an 8 wound model and it's a unique unit so only one commander can even take it uh, same thing with Joffrey when we get to him uh, I think it's interesting we'll see how it works out it might be overpowered and they might have to nerf it going forward, but I'm interested to see how it starts.
1: Yep. Alright, Kingsman. Their melee attack dice uh, value was increased from 764 to 765. So just one die uh, on last one extra die on the last rank. Uh, They changed uh, Kingsblade. Morale was improved from a 6 to a 5. Kingsblade now um, does something. Yeah, pull that up right here.
2: It has changed. It no longer pulls ours as the Fury. Instead, what it does is it is sundering all the time. And then it's got, uh, we'll get to it as well with Queensman. They have an odd ability that says, while your opponent does not control the crown, this attack gains critical blow and may re-roll attack dice.
1: Um, I like it. Uh, I think, uh you know, between the extra die on last rank and the extra morale, um, I'm glad to see, you know, getting away from just this constant pull from the discard, pull from the discard, over and over and over. Um, and with Alistair Florent, um, you could really, unless they're running Joffrey, you could really ensure that this uh is going to be triggering almost all the time. Not to mention, this allows... Um, This, as well as, like you said, we'll get to it with the Queensmen, Um, this allows for you to be more of a, I don't know if alpha strike is the right word, but you can get this right away Um, because it's not when you control something. When you control something implies that your first action is then going to have to be to do an ability or take that something to control it not controlling something is happening instantly right away at the start of the round until your opponent actively makes the choice to take it. Uh, and then they might not carry enough to stop you from getting critical blow and rerolls. Uh, if they have no good way to make use of that crown. They might still benefit more from just letting the crown sit there. But also the upside being is you don't have to take it if they if they don't want to take it, you don't have to take it either, even though you probably still want to take it at some point for some of your other effects. Uh, but you're not forced to. If especially if they've already activated both their NCU if let's say they're only running two, they've already activated both of them and the crown is still not taken, then, you know, you're guaranteed to have this ability then, uh, for the rest of the round. What do you think, Spence?
2: So yeah, I actually really like these changes. I am so happy they finally got to five morale because they needed it. Um, I still personally would like to see a change to, to the last to be a little, a little easier to use, but that's neither here nor there for now. Having Sundering all the time, and as you were saying, your opponent has to control it to stop you from having critical blow and rerolls. The issue I, always, I was having with this unit is it struggled to compete with Stagnite. Stagnites had a better defensive profile with the resilience order, and they would ramp up to the offense that was clearly better than them, even with uh, Ars of the Fury. This, I think, is interesting enough that I go, my offense is far more consistent than it was, uh, because I had to have zones to get Ars of the Fury to do what it was going to do anyway. This, I think I can get more consistency out of, and it's more kind of as you were saying, alpha striking, start of a round, you just go, okay, I'm going to take the swords, I get thundering and critical blow with reroll. I can fish for sixes and try to do eight, nine hits with thundering. It, it can be a pretty powerful blow if you start a round engaged and are first player. And Stannis, you know, has Crescent um, NCU who didn't change, and he can give you first round if you need it, or first player. Uh, I'm very happy with this change. I think it's a very interesting unit, and I can't wait to try this.
0: How about you, Cyrus? I'll try to not let the vicious jealousy seep through here. You know what? I'm going to fail. These little bastards, I swear, I hate... To the last. I hate, hate, hate to the last. And these murder machines that we have here are going to be incredibly difficult to kill. Their morale comes down, which makes them easier to pass that to the last test. The action economy in this game is so precise. you you got to be able to plan your – your, Yeah, limited and, and precise. You have to be able to plan on if you invest resources into killing a unit that it's going to die – and if it was just the Queensmen, I understand. They're a defensive unit. They're not going to be able to go around and murder Hobo, everything on the field. These guys, <laughs> that, I don't like it. I, I really hate To The Last as an ability. I wish it worked more like you know reinforcements, where if they're about to die, you can pull some moons off a nearby unit and have them bolster them back up. That would at least be more fair. This is just... Uh, I make a morale test and I don't die, and I can do it twice. I just the drives me crazy.
2: So my thought for till the last has always been: I really wish it was just a innate ability that said the first time this unit is destroyed, it is not destroyed but remains in play with one rank. There's no morale test. It only happens once, though. Your opponent knows it. You know, it's not. Oh, I hope you don't pass that morale test so that your unit dies. It's like no, everybody knows at the start of the game. They have one shot to lift, and that's it. That's always but, been my thought on it, but that's not how the direction the devs are going. So,
0: and I know everybody wanted the Kingsmen to come up. They were they were on the shelf for all Blarathian players, and I get that. I just wish that to the last wasn't this ability that's that's on there. That's that's really the only thing that because you know a seven point unit should be you know incredibly offensive and have you know should have some ability to stay on the field. But it, really, my biggest problem comes with to the last.
1: I've I've always had issue with to the last. It's the you only have so many attacks in the game, uh, and for some factions, you know, or some lists that don't have free attacks in any way, uh, to the last could you know you could just completely be unable to finish the unit, especially if they have healing in any way uh, to heal these guys back up. You know, you put, uh, uh, the one true king in here with that dauntless to heal up, um, from passing that five up morale or I think it's better, right? Cause he gives Dollward or something for yeah, resolve. iron
2: resolve. Iron resolve.
1: Um, but, uh, so I don't know. Um, I think these guys, too early to tell, but I think they might be a little too good, but we'll see. Um, I think, uh, it wouldn't be as bad if you keep kept that uh, last rank at four dice. That way when they're surviving that to the last they still only have four dice because that assuming at max uh potential they have that those re rolls with Criplo. Five dice with Thundering, Criplo's re rolls. Um, after surviving a to the with a to the last token, that's a big hit back, hitting on threes. So um, be a little much, but I don't know. We'll see. I think uh Kingsmen did need a little love, though. Alright, next up we got the Queensmen. Their melee attack dice was increased from 764 to 765, and they were given the order Hold the Line, and added Queen Queen's Blade, and removed the order. Uh Added Queen's Blade, removed order Queen's Blade. So it's still called the same thing. It's just that uh, it's the same as like the Kingsmen. It's if your opponent does not control the crown, uh, your opponent can't expend vulnerable and panic tokens. So keep in mind they can gain them. You can put them on them, and as soon as you can somehow control that crown, you can start expending them. Um, I like it. Hold the line is a very, uh, a very good ability. uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about them. Uh, what do you think, Spence?
2: So I like them. I think they're fair because they don't have any offensive keywords or any offensive punch, really, outside of hold the line. And they're slow. Like, your your opponent's going to be able to run away from this shoot-it with a four-inch move. Um, so I, I think they're good. They're fair. Uh, and the... I still don't know if I take them over Kingsmen or over Stagnites. I, I think that's going to be their dilemma. But there are game modes that they're going to be actually a, a good choice. Um, like the butchery one where it's like, I'm going to sit on my home objective. Or banners and Butchery that we were trying to talk about. I'm going to sit on my banner and you got to come fight me for it. Like, okay, good luck moving this unit to, to take that objective from me. Um uh, there's game modes where they're good. There's also got uh, game modes where they're awful, and you're going to have to keep that in mind. They're not going to be a universally good unit, and they have reduced in this update the importance of having the relore keyword. So, I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt, but I, I like them. I'm going to try them out uh, when I get a chance to play with Baratheons again. Uh, I'm not as excited about them as other things in this update, but I think it's a good change, and we'll see how it turns out.
0: You, Cyrus? I am much less salty about this unit than I am in the last one. Uh, this, I think, <laughs> is probably a perfect seven-point defensive unit. I mean, this has staying power. I don't mind to the last being on a defensive unit like that. Uh, hold the line will be quite strong, but you're going to be relying on your opponent to get engaged with this unit to be able to use it. Uh, and that's probably not going to happen. They're going to try to avoid this unit if possible, uh, which is the downfall of most defensive units. Uh, But if you get these guys in a position where your opponent doesn't want them to be, they're going to be hard to shift. So I think that this is a a really good unit for what it's trying to do. And, yeah, I don't mind this nearly as much. Yeah. Let's
1: see. Where I think these guys will really shine is uh, uh, missions like uh, Game of Thrones. You send them right into the middle objective. And yes, I know they're not going to get there first. They have a four-inch move. But that's not the point. Your opponent gets there first. You then have time to set up taking the crown before they ever enter combat. They then charge that middle unit. Um, you're not going to get hold the line right away, but you'll get a nice uh, seven dice, hitting on threes, char- uh, re-rolls, charge. Then starting next round, I mean, what are they going to do, attack you? Probably not. They're probably going to have to run away. What if they run away? Now you sit the seven-point unit with hold the line and queen's blade and to the last on that center objective, giving you the advantage in objective scoring. Um, hold the line on this unit is going to be insane. Uh, I mean, with uh, combined with a little bit of healing and then unable to expend vulnerable and panics and having that three-up, five-up, and even to the last, that hold the line is going to trigger and trigger and trigger on these missions where uh, the objectives are stagnant. You know, they're sitting in place, you know, so your opponent has to choose to attack or retreat. If they're attacking, they're staying in combat. If they're staying in combat, you hold the line. Um if you still have full ranks when you're hold, you use Hold the Line, if you activate, hit them with four auto-hits, then attack with seven dice, that's 11 dice of which four are automatically hitting. I mean, yes, if you're attacking something with a two-up or three-up armor, it's going to take a while, and it's probably no one's going to go anywhere. Um, but through attrition, the more than likely, the queensman is going to beat a three-up, burst 3-up armor. It's only where if you're somehow your opponent has a 2-up armor unit on that middle objective, in which case then you ask yourself, how did they get there before some of your other units? But, I don't know. That's my thought on these guys. Uh, I agree with you, Spencer, that I don't see how you're really going to ever want to take these guys over Kingsmen or Stagnites, but I think that's one role that they would do better than the other two, is just throw them at, like, a, a, a neutral objective, you know, something right up in the middle that um, your opponent's going to have to deal with them. Um, otherwise, they're just too expensive to sit on, like, one of your own objectives, like the ones in, in your field. All right, next up, R'hllor Faithful. Uh, this is uh, easily my favorite Baratheon unit uh, from either loyalty. Um I am so excited for the changes for these guys. They got, uh, their movement was increased from five to a six and there, I believe the entirety of their heart of fire ability was changed. Um, There is a little, uh, I'm assuming typo who knows if maybe they're just changing them to this on purpose, but their art flame uh, icon was a uh, seven pointed star for the, um, the wrong face we'll say. Uh, I'm hoping that's a typo. I know you know, it would streamline things a bit to just make all the faith mechanics be the same symbol, but for the whole lore of it, it would really bother me. Anyways, uh, Heart of Fire. This unit begins the game with one faith token. Each time it passes a morale test, gain one faith token. Faith tokens may be expended to do the following. Uh, When this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains plus one and vicious, meaning they would be hitting on threes rather than fours. Uh, After this unit completes a melee attack, this unit restores one wound plus one wound for each of the defenders to short rank, so essentially uh, fueled by slaughter. And then when this unit performs a charge action, after rolling charge distance dice, this unit may may reroll any charge distance dice any, and any enemies they're uh, successfully charged become panicked. The awesome part about all of this, but also kind of a downside, uh, if you get a little too greedy, is all three of these can be triggered on the same charge. You can play one to reroll that charge and make them panicked. You could spend another one to then get the plus one hit and Vicious, and then, again, spend another one to get that Fuel-By-Slaughter. That's three to- tokens all in one go that you've probably saved up over the last couple turns, you know, doing effects like Mel and whatnot. Um, so, uh, but either way, absolutely love this. Was not a big fan of the whole, if you die, uh, expend one, and then someone, another relore can get a free attack or something. Not a big fan of that. Uh, this, right up my alley, favorite unit, just became, in my opinion, really good. Uh, really kind of defines his own role, their own role. Uh, a six movement unit, uh, infantry unit, huge for Baratheon. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Cyrus, let's start with you on this one. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I actually think this is pretty good. Uh, this kind of fits, uh, uh, a role in Baratheon's that they don't really have. A light armor, quick unit, capable of doing some offense and has some sustain, uh, I didn't really like one of their previous abilities that dealt out auto hits for each rank that was destroyed on the unit. It was possible that you could attack the unit and end up suffering six hits back, which seemed just a little bit, you know, too punishing. Uh, and then sometimes you weren't even able to pull it off if you were destroyed or what, what have you. So it, was, it
1: feels bad for someone. Either you could never get it off because you would just die first, or yeah. you'd go, okay, here, take a ton of hits. Now my turn, and I attack you, you die.
0: Yeah, these this set of ability makes a, a lot of sense, uh, and I think it fits really well for this unit. And I think it's also equally vulnerable as the Warrior Sons to abilities that can shut off abilities because you're losing an entire text block if this unit loses abilities. So, uh that's one of the reasons why I haven't been running warrior sons anymore is cuz you lose, you know, five paragraphs worth of text of abilities if they just shut down <laughs> one ability. Uh so yep. yeah, I think I think it's fair and I think it's uh probably welcome and it's definitely going to be running How about you,
1: Spence.
2: Yeah, so I'm super excited to try this unit out. This looks fantastic for 6 points as you were guys were saying it is a six-point unit with a six move, something that Stannis has almost nothing, you know, has no access to. Um, the abilities are much more improved for what you would want the unit to do uh, compared to what it did. I hated having to hold on to it before, hold on to that one, just so I can get the big value of, you know, the free attack from another Allure unit. Uh, and I, much like Cyrus said, I hated that auto three hits. I hated doing it to my opponents. It felt... Dirty to, to do it. Um, but that's what the unit was doing at the time, so you you did it anyway. Um, I will point out, though, it, the second ability is not actually Fueled by Slaughter. It's better because I don't have to do a wound to trigger it. Fueled by Slaughter, you do still have to do one wound to trigger the Fueled by Slaughter oh, yeah. ability. This one I don't. I just have to attack. Um, so if I just need a heal, I just attack and don't care if I do any damage, just to to heal off of it. Um, I did have a slight annoyance with the third ability. The reroll charge and panic token. Because lately in the game. Over across the entire game. They've been changing the timing to be after you roll charge distance. That you would get a reroll effect. This one doesn't. This is you do have to decide before you even roll the die. Or you know before you even roll the initial charge. So you're kind of doing it of, I need insurances because I have to make this charge, or you just really want the panic token to go with it. It's, I find it a less useful ability than the other two, but it's still well, not you, a bad third option.
1: What do you mean? It, it says when this unit performs a charge oh, after. Action. It's after. after. I thought it
2: said before. Oh,
1: okay. yeah. So this is a, okay, no, if I disorderly myself, spend it and not disorder, well, potentially not disorderly.
2: Yeah, I must have read it wrong. I thought I saw it before rolling a charge dice, But no, it is after. Okay, never mind. Remove that complaint. And now, now hear me out. I know this
1: makes them seven points, but putting a uh, priestess in here, a red priestess, uh, can be really good. You don't have to run Mel. uh, But even if you do run Mel, you could, like, supercharge these guys with tokens. Let's say if you're only running, like, one of them. um, Because... You can, when, uh, let's say you have it, uh, two tokens on them, let's say you meled, used Mel on them once prior to their charge, and now they have two tokens. They start with one, one from Mel. You can, when this unit performs the charge, whether or not you need to reroll, um, you can expend it to make them panicked, get into combat, you still have one panic token, or I mean... Uh, faith token on you, you expend, uh, you trigger both abilities at the same time, because I think you have to have the token, the faith token in order to even trigger it. You can't just say both. Um, anyway, so you trigger, uh, the one where you get plus one to hit in vicious, and you trigger the, um, uh, priestess for the morale test on a four, which then gives you another token to then spend on the fuel by slaughter or the souped-up fuel by slaughter to then heal the one wound you took from the priestess and the two wounds you took from Mel. Now you have panicked, vulnerable, plus one to hit, vicious, uh, so three dice hitting on sevens. Uh, sorry, uh, seven dice hitting on threes. And then you're healing one plus one wound for, for, so probably two to three, you know, if you're lucky, three wounds healing all all the way back up to full. And so now that feel that souped-up fuel by Slaughter uh, isn't going to waste, and you'll actually have a reason to use it at the get-go of the, of the game, rather than, you know, charging at full health,
2: not really needing it, but, you know,
1: that's just a little cool combo I was thinking of.
2: Um... Yeah, so Again. slight correction, the red, or sys does not cause morale test anymore. It's just an auto effect of take wounds to put out tokens.
1: Oh, that's lame. Is that like
2: but, a somewhat recent change? That was a that couple, like- couple ago. That might have been a full year. But uh, the combo I had in mind actually was to put a Master Warden in here and give hold the line to this unit. You want to charge me because I'm a flimsy unit? That's fine. I'll just hold the line you for some auto-hits, and then I'll attack you (laughs) with Fuel by Slaughter. Yep. I'm sure there's
1: got to be some other combos in there. Uh, Definitely a unit I am excited to play around with. I think once uh, I play around with my Starks a bit more um, uh, these coming months, uh, and once you have had a chance to really play a lot of these new stuff, that's when I'll probably take the time to cross over from Starks into the Baratheons because I'm really excited to get back to painting my Barath- uh, mostly my Stannis side Baratheons and then really trying them out. Uh, I painted one unit of Faithful, and they're one of my favorite painted units I have, and I have two more that have just been primed for years. All right, so next up, uh, Dragonstone Noble. So the Dragonstone Noble uh, changed quite a bit. Um, I'm excited for it. It uh, has a much more... I don't know. Its role makes a lot more sense, I think, and uh, is more of a support piece, but still can go out there and deal some damage, kind of like, you know, maybe not as much as a wolf can, but uh, more survivable than a wolf. Um, So he now has... He has uh, three dice sitting on threes, four moves still, a two-up save, three-up morale, um, he lost Sentinel, but gained Noble's Bolster Order. When a friendly combat unit in long range would gain a condition token, it does not gain that token. Uh, he has three wounds still, uh, and he may do a maneuver or a retreat at the start of his activation. And then he also has Mastercraft Warhammer. He may always reroll attack. The defender rolls any ones on their defense dice that become weakened. Uh, still four points. Uh, what do you think about this, Cyrus? Uh,
0: just more token shenanigans and Baratheons. I love it. Uh, it's not bad. I mean, the combo where you could get Mel to give this, you know, two wounds, and then they're, you know, actually destroying Four units. Four auto flats. Yeah, that that's gone. Uh, they don't even have Sundering anymore, so it's really not something that you're looking to go out and destroy units with. Like you said, it's a support piece and it's a fine support piece. Uh, it uh doesn't have the punch that you know Gregor has, but Gregor doesn't have the uh the versatility that this unit has. So I think it's pretty fair. Uh I don't mind it I don't mind its existence as uh, I do some others. Uh so yeah, I think this is fine. it's still it's, it's going to be really difficult to kill still with its 2 armor and uh 3 morale. Uh, so you're going to need to be going after this thing with auto wounds if you have it, precision, you know, precision, yep. you know uh, no defense saves, that sort of thing, if you have it, uh, any real hope Vulnerable. of being able to take it out. Uh, but it still does only have the three wounds, so it, it's possible. But if you invest in destroying this thing and you don't do it, uh, you're probably going to be in a bad place. So there are probably going to be other targets on the field that you want to target first. So, yeah, I, I, I don't mind. I think it's fair. It's uh, worthwhile.
1: Well, I think, you know, a very simple combo, and I won't take credit for this because I heard it on tourney grounds, but you just sit this guy and, you know, I wouldn't like dedicate him to doing this, but just conveniently, you know, it's long range. So you keep them within long of your light bringers. And, yep, you're not weakening them. Nope. Boom. You try to weaken them. Uh, can't do it. Obviously, if you can multi- do multiple weaken tokens, then, you know, you... Uh but I mean it'd be pretty funny if like weaken token, nope, nobles bolster. Alright, um uh weaken token, nope, Stag's wit. <laughs> so, uh
2: what do you think, Spence? Well don't forget the mighty Shira can also take uh the mail and remove a token. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh Yeah, I like this change. I actually really hated how it was designed before. Of I want to hurt myself so that I can do this auto-hit mechanic that I have. And it it tried to be a a cheap damage dealer, and it never worked for me. So I'm actually happier with this setup of its uh, support ability. Like you said, just kind of stay in long range of something important and mostly just remove weakens. I'm happy with that. I'm interested to try it. I still don't think it's great. It's not like an auto-take or anything like that, but it's an interesting option to play around with.
1: Yeah, so I agree with you. I think the old version was a feels-bad version where either you, like, tried to do the combo, give yourself one, you know, down-to-one wound with Mel to be this heat-seeking missile that tried to wreck face just to you know, only have one wound and then die before ever doing anything, or actually accomplish your goal and then you'd be this four-point missile that deleted things. Uh, Either one was a feels-bad, in my opinion, for someone. And I think this version is a lot better for the game, a lot better for the average player. Uh, Is he going to be the super ultra-competitive piece? I don't think so, but I think you will see him in some competitive lists because he is a a solid uh, a solid support piece. So, all right. Uh, next up, we have Axel Florence, hand of the Queen, who changed to something. Um, all the way at the top here, he is. And there's so many cards. Uh, all right. He has the influence. When this unit claims a zone, attach this card to a combat unit until the end of the round. Each time Axel influences an enemy unit, it becomes panicked. When influencing a friendly unit, when that unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, the defender becomes vulnerable. These four points, Stannis Loyalty. Uh, really good. Um, I think, uh... Maybe, I wouldn't say too good. I would say this this ability makes, the first thing it screams out, maybe you guys can correct me and why I might be wrong. first thing it screams out when I read this is, why does Roos NCU have limited number of uses when you can Axel Florent every round and panic something? I know he has the replace a uh, part of him and then can panic uh, test someone, but I don't know. What do you guys, uh, Spence, what do you think of Axel and kind of the whole roost thing?
2: Uh, I would completely agree with you. Um, it wasn't the first thing that came to my mind, but you are right, <laughs> where this kind of feels almost like a power creep uh, buff. Um, this feels really strong. Like you said, I don't I don't think it's broken, but it's really good. Um, the combo I actually had in mind was with Kingsman. Start of round, put this you know put Axel on the sword, and then suddenly now you're re-roll Sundering Critical Blow with a vulnerable token on your opponent, and it just you know can can do a a pretty really strong hit just right off the bat to start a round. Probably way more damage than your opponent can heal. Um. This is good. Yeah. This is this
1: is really good. Um. Like you think like Pysel, who you know, just uh, a nerf. (laughs) Well, let's just say his old version. Let's just or old old version, the weakened token. I mean this. I mean, granted, Pysel didn't influence a unit. I mean, there is that, so, like, you can't, if you run Axel, you're not going to be able to Axel the same person that, or no, never mind, Mel doesn't influence the person she zaps, so, yeah, you can uh, influence your own person with Mel and then zap whoever you just panicked with Axel. Um, So, yeah, like, you think of these other NCUs, you you think of um, Pycelle, who was too good at being a weakened and a vulnerable, and now you have Axel here, who's a panicked and a vulnerable uh so I don't know. I I think he's I don't think he's broken. I don't think he's some like piece that's gonna be unstoppable, but he is arguably gonna be in, you know, at least half or more of like all um panic based, you know, like uh stand side lists. I, I mean, could argue I'm not panicked. even just
2: panic based. I I think yeah. he's actually good enough to go into any Stannis loyalty list. Um, I think this is good. I think he might be slightly too good and need to be toned down in the future. We'll see what time has to say about it, but this, this is just really good and really uh, versatile of an ability. Well, and
1: like you were saying, you know, I know you didn't like spell it out, but you basically said it. When you take the swords with him, The key thing about when you take the swords with him and then vulnerable whatever you're about to attack, there is no time to heal that vulnerable. If you influence a unit and they become panicked, okay, cool, I'll activate my Catlin, heal that panic token. Or I'll take the bags and heal that panic token. This vulnerable token part, some might say, oh, well, you have to perform a melee attack to trigger this part. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because they have no time to stop that vulnerable from now being instantly uh, valuable. Um, what do you think, Cyrus?
0: Oh, yay. More token shenanigans here in Baratheon. <laughs> How exciting. Uh, this is ridiculous. I mean, there, it seemed like they were toning down the abilities that, that granted just a bunch of tokens, like PySelf, for example. They even toned down uh Baratheon Justice, but here, I mean, you have the uh, ability to hand out six tokens or more throughout the game, because it's for each melee attack. If you get multiple melee attacks in a round, that's multiple vulnerable tokens. This is just ridiculous to me, especially in the same breath when we're talking about, because vulnerable, or, I'm sorry, a uh, weakened token is very powerful. It has... The ability to stop multiple wounds, and as we were discussing in our group on uh, Discord earlier, a vulnerable is typically worth one wound, but if if you're getting multiple vulnerable tokens throughout the game, as well as panicked when you need it, it's a lot. I think this is too much.
1: Yeah, you might be right. I think uh, time will tell. Um, I
2: could definitely see I've, one of these two abilities being straight-up cut in an update, at least one, if not a tweak or of the other in addition.
1: Yeah, because yeah, even if this vulnerable token part was the same exact effect as the each time Axel influences an enemy unit, even if it was like just the same line that says becomes panicked or vulnerable, that's basically what Picel just was, and he had to get nerfed. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, it might be way too good. I don't think broken, but I just think way too good. Um, all right, over to Salish and Shireen. Uh, Spence, correct me if I'm wrong. Did the only thing that changed is, uh, a point crease or did yep. something else change on here? Okay. Yep. Just on uh, one. really good. Really good for five points right where they should be. Um, I think. I think some of the combos might end up making it a little too good but there were combos that weren't just like auto combos you know what i mean they weren't just like do it and it happens automatically you kind of had to do a little setup with the combos which i think is what's going to make it okay at five points just a really good take at five and i think you're going to be seeing them a lot more often um
2: well now they are more still going, zero, yes
1: yeah <laughs> So well, the changelog
0: says that there was a change to fervent convictions, but I am not familiar enough with the other version of the card to know exactly what that change was.
1: Oh, they uh, took away the um, morale buff. Ah, uh, got you. Oh, they did. Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> so I think right, that's yeah. still
1: fair. I mean,
2: that's still the, fair. Yeah.
1: Well, like it's the key, basically, from, like
2: as an influence.
1: Yeah, well, and, like, the Kingsmen just got a morale buff, so, like, some units are already, morale was good enough that you didn't really need that morale buff. It was just kind of salt on the wound to your opponent. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think they didn't want to make to the last too good, you know, making a four up to the last with no other, you know, attachments. Um, So, yeah, really good. I think, you you know, It's not like so good. It's still going to compete with, uh, Crescent and Mel, uh, that it's in a, it's just in a really good spot. All right, uh, let's see. Lost my place for a second here. Um, next up is the tactics deck. So we got Baratheon Justice, Sustained Assault, and Oath of Duty. Um, so for the first one, um, where is it justice is now uh the attacker gains uh after the enemy completes an attack, the attacker gains one condition token and it's an extra condition token if they have the crown or the letter uh if I'm not mistaken, that's just a straight buff because now you're not locked into certain tokens um but I mean two tokens from attackus card. Uh, insane when you have something like uh, what Free Folk have, Surrounded and Exposed, whatever it is. Two tokens, I mean there's plenty of things in the game that give two tokens. Uh, and this one is only two if you have one of those. Now granted you're probably going to have one of those. But just a really good card. Uh, st- uh, before I get your guys pay, I'm just going to talk about all three. Sustained Assault when this unit is performing a Melee attack before rolling attack dice. If the student began the turn engaged with the defender, it rolls the highest attack die value and may re-roll any attack dice. Basically, the difference here is that one... uh forget which one. It doesn't matter. But one was tied to the uh, beginning of the turn engaged, and the other one was tied to having less ranks. Uh, now it's just all tied to being engaged. Um, I think it's better. I think it's still the least desirable card in your deck, uh, even between probably anything any of your commanders are bringing. But it's the tad of a a small increase. And I think uh, Turning Grounds also pointed out that I'm pretty sure this is the only sustained assault that was technically changed in the entire game. All the many versions of it uh, are all still the same. But I think that's because all the other ones are all tied to commanders, and being a commander to trigger that second half uh, is a lot easier, and I think probably just more thematic for the commander. So I, that's my guess on why that didn't change. And then uh, Oath of Duty, sort of any turn, you um, attach it's the attach card when uh, one of your units destroys it will trigger. While this card. Uh, has a token. Each time this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice, the defender gains one condition token, and while you control the crown, this unit may reroll any attack dice. So basically the condition token what used to be the crown, uh, controlling the crown effect, and then the effect that you always got once it was active was uh, um, minus one to panic damage. Um, so they swapped it and then changed uh, Changed it so now it's you can reroll any attack dice if you have the crown. Um, I think it's better uh, personally. I think with how good uh, Baratheon's morale can be, I think it's better when you take it on Stannis' side. Uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Spence, but I think maybe it might be weaker with Renley side. But I'll, let, I'll I'll leave that up to you. Uh, what do you think of these three cards, Spence?
2: Well, first and foremost, I would say I don't think the Baratheon deck needed any buffs, and yet it got <laughs> three. Um, so I'm not quite sure where the debts were going with that, but okay. Uh, Baratheon Justice, it got better. You got to pick the tokens. There's <laughs> That's never going to be a bad thing. Um, is it broken? No. Did it need to change? No. But it did, so here we are. Um Sustained Assault was the only card I would have considered making an adjustment to. I think they actually did okay with it. That's fine now that I have the, you know, can get the rerolls just for being engaged. I don't have to have a rank differential to to get my reroll out of the card. Um, I think that's a fine change. It's more useful now. Good. That again, that was the only card I thought could use a buff, but the rest of the deck did not. Um, Oath of Duty. This card got a lot better, in my opinion. Um, I always missed out, usually, on getting the token part of it because my opponent would either, either at the time I just wouldn't have the zone, or my opponent would, you know, stop me from getting it, or I just couldn't take it that round because I only had two NCUs, and I couldn't afford to take it that round. Um, or you
1: missed out on it because every unit on the board already
2: had all three tokens? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, teams are going to be doing that a lot now, which is probably not good for the game, but we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think this card got a lot better. It, it does probably get better with Stannis because he generally has the better morale, um, though Renly Loyalty generally has the uh, commanders who give, I believe, no, no, he doesn't have more morale buffs. I mean, he's gotten bolden on Charismatic Air. So, I mean, that Stallworth kind of thing. on the yeah. other one. Yeah, Stallworth on another one. Uh, he doesn't have anyone with Iron Resolve, though. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I think the card overall is better. It will be slightly better for Stannis, probably. But, in general, it's still... This card just got probably too good, again. Um, the deck did not need changes, and yet it got three. Um, so, well... We'll see. I think if you look at the Baratheon changes overall, Baratheon just got significantly stronger. Uh, they got significantly, maybe not even stronger, but more options that are strong to work with. Um, I, I just, I don't quite know where they wanted Baratheons to fit in the meta, but this almost feels like an overtune to me. And we're going to now see either Baratheon everywhere and high ranking in a lot of tournaments now.
1: What about you, Cyrus?
0: Yay, more token manipulation and re-rolls and Baratheons. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, getting re-rolls is one of the you know better, more preferred buffs that you can give to a unit, particularly a unit that's engaged. And they just have so many ways of gaining re-rolls now. It is pretty wild. Uh, I don't mind Baratheon Justice too much, Uh I, I just am grateful that it's not the old Baratheon justice where they could toss out three tokens. I'm grateful it's still only two. Uh, I think it's fair to be able to give the Baratheon player the choice and not lock them in. Um, sustained assault, like we said, did need changed. I'm not sure oath to du- duty really needed change. And that kicker for owning the crown and giving any potential unit, be it champions, be it you know kingsmen, if you, if uh, the opponent doesn't have the crown and you do. Well, no, you would still get rerolls anyway um, but there's just a bunch of units that you just love getting rerolls out of it just on demand just by throwing this card down on them. uh it's It's pretty strong, but I don't think that this is the thing that you know uh pushes my buttons just as much as, as Kingsman does I, I don't mind these changes in the long run, yeah All I right,
2: think so Sorry. go ahead real quick. The the rebuttal to that for me is just going to be it's if I'm right and Baratheon do surge to the top and are super powerful, I think we're in a situation now where you're going to have a the devs will have a hard time identifying specifically what's doing it because they just buffed a little bit of everything. So we'll, yeah, we'll totally see what the future agree. holds for it. Yeah. We'll see what the future holds, but it's gonna it could cause complications going forward.
0: I blame the Kings, man
2: fine
0: <laughs> all right uh, so we, did are we touch running... assault orders
2: uh yeah they're... there was a slight change to assault orders for uh andrew essermont it is now melee oh, attack yep. only instead of any attack yeah so it I comes in line they... with what the, the with what the starks were starks had uh the downside for a long time of assault orders their assault orders was melee only all the other Assault Orders have now been brought in line. They all are melee attack only, with a kicker to do a uh, a charge, usually the commander.
1: Yep. Either commander or tied to a zone. But I think all the Assault Orders are commander cards, minus the Stark one. Um, so, I don't know if anyone's been keeping track of time. We're actually running low on time. We've only gotten through one faction. Uh, so, we're going to wrap it up with, uh, we're going to try to get through Lannisters, and then this will probably be a three-parter, unfortunately. Um, but uh, regardless, I'm going to try to get these all out in the next, like, three to four days, if possible, um, or three to five days. Uh, so right into Lannisters then. Oh, excuse me.
0: Um, Fortunately, the Lannister changes are going to be pretty short, and most of it's depressing. <laughs> you talking about? The You're
2: just a red
1: punchline today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, so, first up, Kevin Lannister, Protector of the Realm, changed Might of the Throne, just like Courtney, uh, no longer applies to all attacks, only melee attacks. So no more, uh, or at least not in any good... Uh, um, uh, no more Kevin and Crossbowmen. I mean, I suppose you can put him in there, but... Uh, I don't recommend it anymore. Uh, so Kevin Crossbowman
2: is officially R.I.P. Um, and I think that was the intention. They never meant for it to originally be a ranged attack. That that's my thought. Is uh, I think they, they, they didn't. They mind weren't against it, it just, but then they saw that it was just kind of running Lannisters a lot, and it's like, okay, we need to change it up.
1: Yeah, well, and I think, uh, again, going back to Courtney, I think it's a good change. Uh, I don't like the whole idea of, like, an insane number of ranged attacks before things are even allowed to really start getting into combat. Uh, be, you have too many ways to get free attacks in this game, and at least being engaged means your opponent can have a lot more control over that, whether it be through... Uh, Cactus cards or other effects that will, you know, retribution effects. But these range attacks get by a lot of retribution effects, uh, you know, because they may not get rerolls, but, you know, a lot of times they don't need it when you're shooting so many times. What do you think, Cyrus? So
0: to be fair, this needed to happen just for the you know the health and the and the sanity of the game uh, but this uh change takes away one of the main things that made Kevin one of the best commanders in the game this and one other thing that we'll touch on just a little bit later uh it was just such a go-to option and a powerful go-to option that it really floated Kevin as a, a, a bit of a boogeyman now he wasn't you know invulnerable he wasn't awful or you know, Mance of previous editions, but he was still really good. This change here yep. is here is, and, and the other change coming up is going to drop him pretty significantly in my book.
1: Yep. I, I mean, uh, Brett has been saying for a long time, you know, Kevin in, like, melee units is super undervalued anyways. So I think, uh, I don't know, I think once people start really messing around with Kevin in other units... We might find we might find like a whole new meta around Kevin, uh, just in a different aspect. You'll just, you know, kind of see, you know, it'll just be a whole different build. But oh, I'm kind of excited to kind of to see what Kevin turns into. Oh no, um,
0: this change on his own doesn't kill Kevin because uh, this attachment is still fine. Just gaining Lannister supremacy and you know, the ability to attack or charge off the crown is still you know, quite powerful. Uh, the limiting factor of what units you're going to be able to put him in and on top of that, the, the almost near destruction of one of his cards. Uh, that's what I was really getting yeah. at in and, and, and the doom and gloom of Kevin.
1: Yeah. All right, next up we got King's Guard. So similar to uh, the Rainbow Guard they had the order resilience added they removed their iron resolve but their morale improved from a 5 to a 4 so almost they got half back of what they lost from iron resolve um so um some people were talking about how they couldn't find the um king's the banners uh card or if they lost it or not i don't know i think it's just an oversight i can't imagine they would take away the banners they're you know, i almost guarantee they're still there Um, I think this unit is great. Well worth six points, much like the Rainbow Guard. Um, I think the Rainbow Guard are a bit better, in my opinion. Um, But, uh, yeah. Um, What do you think, Cyrus?
0: The unit itself is great. I don't mind the unit. It's just the cards that come attached with it with Joffrey Commander. Traders, I Will Have Their Heads is in competition for one of the worst tactics cards in the entire game. Uh, on top of that, you do have You Will Obey Me, which has a powerful initial effect, but still has a downside. And then I Am the King has a pretty decent effect with a significant downside. You got these downsides coming with this unit. It's just still, you know, it's it's not as, uh, I'm not as reluctant to bring this unit as I have been in the past, but still, you're just going to have to overcome those dang tactics cards. Mm-hmm.
1: For Spence.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a good change on the whole, but it, it's still going to have issues. I actually don't mind Joffrey's cards as much as you guys do, but that's just me. Um, I do think, though, the Rainbow Guard got the better of the deal by having Rally uh, Rally Cry instead of Counter-Strike, but that's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree there, too. Yeah.
1: All right, then... Um... Next up, we have Lannis port city watch. Uh, Their morale was approved from a seven to a six, and the uh, changed adaptive style. So this is a lot less uh, impactful on the city watch, though still you know still uh, pretty big because the city watch was seeing decent play. Um, it has now been changed. The, def- the defensive part did not change of adaptive style, uh, but the offensive part is now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, gives Thundering and Critical Blow?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: So no more extra hits, no more precision. Uh, I still think it's fine. Uh, I think a lot of players were using the defensive part anyways, and they got an improvement to their morale. It is a nerf, don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing that but I don't think it's as doom and gloom as a lot of people make it out to be, especially not for the um, uh, the Golden Company, which we'll talk about in another episode. But um, I guess where it really hits City Watch uh, more is the fact that they hit on fours rather than threes, because um, that crit blow and thundering is going to be a lot less effective. Uh, but at least with that defensive part, I believe they go to a... Correct me if I'm wrong. A three-up, four-up. Correct. So, um, you know, I, I think these guys still have a place. It's just not. Unfortunately, these guys are the um, the side a uh, 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 collateral damage from Golden Company. What do you think, uh, Cyrus?
0: This changer hurts my heart more than any other change here in the faction. <laughs> Uh, and here's why I was begging in the discord for whatever the change that they felt like they had to make to the gold company to not let it affect city watch. And it did because here's the biggest change. The effect does not last the round anymore.
2: Yeah. It's oh, only yep, a one yep.
0: time order. And I think that was one of the only reasons I was even bringing last for city watch is because we're allowed to be a defensive unit that was earning at six points, you know, being able to, to hold up and particularly being a bunker for uh, Gregor if I didn't want to spend the extra point to put him in, in Golden Company. Uh, the offensive ability when you're hitting on fours is going to feel really bad when you're missing a lot of your shots, especially if you're weakened and you end up missing the most of them. Uh, sundering usually goes really well with critical blow if you're getting your hits. Uh, the change to morale is fine, but when you have an ability that's supposed to be allowing you to auto-pass your morale test anyway, it doesn't really register on my radar. Uh, it, it'll help in early games against early panic tests, but the, the whole idea is you are wanting to get into combat, deal a bunch of damage, and start auto-passing your morale test with domineering pride. Uh, it's just, it's, it's painful to me. Uh, and I don't see myself playing with these guys very often. I'm going to be going to the other five- and six-point units in the faction.
1: Yeah, I I take back what I said. Uh, I've totally, I knew that it was this way, but I totally forgot that it's only for one uh, turn, and I think that's a little much. I think uh, it is clearly, even if it was all round, the whole round, it was clearly a nerf already, but only happening once... Um, I don't know, that's that was a bit much. Now I agree. These uh the um Golden Company still a fine unit as they are, even though if it's only for a turn. You know, they're they're uh there's gonna be way better seven point options though. But yeah, Lannister Port City Watch have a lot of contenders at the six point limit in Lannisters that uh this ability only applying for one turn is just not worth it when you have... I know people might disagree, but I absolutely love um, uh, Mountains Men. So, like, Mountains Men versus these guys is not even a contest. Like, there's, it's hands down. So, and that's, like, in every list. Like, it doesn't even have to be panic-themed, um, you know, even though it's Lannister's kind of a given. But what do you think, Spence?
2: Yeah, the City Watch are paying for the sins of Golden Company with the adaptive style change. Uh, Giving them plus one morale just doesn't feel like it was enough. Uh, I thought that they needed to swap out Domineering Pride for something else or just change what Domineer Pride. Not many things have that ability, so it would have less overall effect if you change the ability to something else. Um, Or just swap out the ability entirely to something else to make up for the loss of adaptive style or the the nerf of adaptive style i don't know if you'll see yeah. this unit much anymore uh it's unfortunate and they'll probably have to rework it again to make it worthwhile <laughs> in a future update
0: i mean yep. it's a six point unit that can kind of defense and the kind of offense and it's just it's it doesn't know what it wants to be the yep. the previous adaptive style you you could commit what you wanted that unit to be for the round if 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 you set up and just and use the defensive order just once and then you get overwhelmed, the the unit's toast. So, and then I could never see myself committing to use it offensively because uh, you could commit to use it offensively and just completely whiff. It's uh it's rough. Yeah.
1: All right, uh, I'm gonna skip over the NCU's. Uh, we'll do those last. Uh, I'm gonna. Cover predictable maneuvers and overrun changes. So predictable maneuvers for Kevin Lannister, start of the, and this applies to all predictable maneuvers, which I think there might be only one other one. Only man. Yeah, Uh, start of the of the first enemy turn in a round. Target one enemy combat unit and one enemy NCU. If either unit performs an action this turn before they resolve that action, one friendly combat unit may perform one attack, maneuver, or retreat action. So it used to be just at the start of any turn, or any enemy turn, um, and you would pick one. And you, often you would just wait until the, they had no other options and they had to trigger this card, especially if the unit they had to activate was engaged. And then overrun, which the only change to that was uh instead of um, when uh instead of searching force that unit performs one charge or march action now, I absolutely love the change to this um overrun was uh, like it it almost never triggered uh now you at least have something, especially if you're gonna put that overrun in a six move unit um and now you can. You know, even if you're kind of like angled in a, a weird way, you should be able to march 12 and get behind something. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think you'll be able to make use of that, uh, of overrun a lot more now and set up some really big plays getting behind enemy lines. Predictable man- maneuvers, it's a really heavy nerf, but I think it's, it, it needed a nerf. It was too good, uh, before. Um, but it's it's a pretty significant nerf that I think was nerfed to be thematic. I think this is how the card was intended, uh, as uh, Turning Grounds points out. You know, it was supposed to be predictable maneuvers. Um, you know, because it's very predictable. Usually, the first or second action that you're going to take in a round. Uh, whether it be a certain NCU activating to take a zone to set up a combo or activating a unit to attack a unit that might die uh, from the attack. Um, Now, one could argue that if there's only one enemy left to activate, that's pretty predictable, too. But um, uh, I think uh, this is more, I'm assuming, more in line with the spirit of what uh, the devs had uh, intended for the card. What do you think of these two cards,
0: Cyrus? So much like uh, Might of the Throne, this needed to happen. But the fact that Kevin got both of these nerfs—that that needed to happen—and didn't really get any, you know, consolation prize—is one of the th- reasons why I think he's going to see a significant drop. Uh, if you draw this card in round one or even two, you got to toss it. I mean, it was it was one of his best cards. Uh, and one of the best cards in the game, and now it is fodder if you don't draw it in the right situations. You're going to need to have a situation where your opponent is going first, and you only have one unit engaged, and you really don't want your unit to get hit, so you'll be able to play this card, and that has usefulness on its own, but you have completely limited the scope of what this card was capable of, of doing for you, and what you know it could accomplish. Uh, like I said, it, it needed to happen. It was too strong, but they took this card back in the back and, and, and shot it. Uh, as far as overrun goes, uh, this was very welcome. Uh, Greer was seeing a lot of play in the last edition, which is welcome to a lot of Lannister players, especially the ones that enjoy the offensive play style. And him getting a card buff is just reinforces my thought that now Gregor is the best commander in the Lannisters now. Uh, and I never would have thought that, that was possible a year or two ago, but <laughs> here we are. Um, yep, this this adds a, a lot of versatility to overrun. Uh, if you can't quite set up a unit that is in your line of sight after you destroy a unit, and adds some maneuvering shenanigans that Lannisters really lack. So this is just a just a welcome just addition. Uh, but yeah, uh, so they they giveth and taketh away on on two d- completely different commanders. uh it's pretty wild,
1: and then uh running down to the last ten minutes uh spence uh quickly what do you what do you think about these two cards?
2: Uh change to overrun is good. I don't think it is as good as other people think because there's no pivot before the march, so it's kind of limited. Uh, predictable maneuvers probably got over to or over nerfed. Uh, I think you could have just changed what actions you could have done off of it would have been a better change. However, I will say you still could use this to maybe manipulate your opponent and choosing what unit and what NCU they can't activate first can make a difference. But as you were saying, Cyrus, probably not in the first couple rounds. All
1: right. So next up, we have three NCUs that changed. Uh, first one is Picel. Uh, he went sort of back to what he used to be, where he can only do weakened tokens, not weaken or vulnerable. Uh, but he also has been limited to only three times a game. So three order tokens, and then each time he activates, you may remove an order token. If you do one target one enemy combat unit, they become weakened. Uh, I think it's a little much. I do like the fact that it's limited, but I, I would have probably placed him more around four tokens uh, to start. You know, because um, ha- you're basically, let's just take away the weakened and vulnerable version of him because I think we've all, everyone universally agrees that was just above and beyond crazy and go back to his only, his weakened version. Um, so he got to do it six times a game. Limiting him to half the amount he used to be, I think, is a little much. I think four would have been a better step to take as the first step. Um, I'm going to roll into these other ones and then have you guys kind of wrap up uh, all together. Um, Next is Tommen. I love Tommen as he uh, was, and I love him even more now, because personally, I actually took Tommen because of bribery. I did not take him because of fealty. I loved being able to, and I know a lot of people hate bribery with a passion I they think it's a garbage card. And I've used it to really good effect. Um, range units are very strong. Uh, but now Tommen, instead of Fealty with the crown, he takes Intrigue and Subterfuge. Amazing. Because remember, Intrigue and Subterfuge got that buff a while back where that if you have the bags, you're going to make something weakened when you do it. So now, Tommen is doing exactly what I brought Tommen for. I would, I would often bring Tommen with Pycell, and weaken everything and bribery everything that was a range unit or a support piece that wasn't going to be taking morale tests, and you know, really limiting what they could do to me. Uh, and then lastly, we have Kyburn. He has been changed completely. He now begins with three Order Tokens. Each time an enemy NCU activates, you may remove one Order Token from Qyburn. If you do, choose two zones. If that NCU claims either zone this turn, after resolving that zone's effect, target up to two enemy combat units. They become vulnerable. Um, I like it a lot. It's very similar to Courtney's uh, healing, uh, but it's two Vulnerables instead. Um, and I love Courtney. Uh, now, granted, much like Courtney, I'm sure that people are going to just not take those two zones when they can help it or just pass with their NCU. But, again, I think that's just as strong. Forcing them off of the zone you need and or not claiming a zone altogether is huge. I think Tyburn is going to be seen in a ton of lists. um, Uh, We'll start with you, Spence. What do you think of these three?
2: So I agree the Picel change was probably a little much, and it should have been four tokens. Um, It's unfortunate for him. Maybe he'll get a a change in another update. Uh, I like the Tommen update. I really like Intrigue and Subterfuge, and being able to play it four times in a game is fun and awesome (laughs) and continues with their control theme. Uh, Kyburn I'm kind of on the fence about where I go, I think there's a lot of, to use from it, but I'm not sure because, I mean, I could definitely see him in a Gregor list because you are an offensive art or, you know, force, but Lannisters generally aren't being that offensive. So I, I don't know how, how much you're going to actually see of him, but I do think you will see.
1: I know, a double Knights of Castle rock would love these vulnerable tokens. <laughs> um, all right. What do you think Cyrus?
0: So I think it's possible that, uh, Michael and Fabio are time travelers. And when they said that Picel isn't seeing much play, they might've been, you know, traveling back from a time where they just nerfed him. Cause he's <laughs> not going to see that much play now. Uh, it, it, it sounds a bit extreme to jump right to that, but three tokens throughout an entire game, even if they're good tokens, like weekend, it, it seems like it's a bit too much. Um, uh, and I know that some games don't even go, you know, five or six rounds, but the ones that do, you're really gonna want those weekend tokens. And because of the buffs here to Tommen and Kyburn, uh, along with uh, new NCU's that have come out like Shay, I think that Pycel is going to be replaced. And you know, that's another thing that you know probably should have happened because he was in eighty-five to ninety percent of all Lanster lists. So they're going to get their wish, but I think they really overtuned it. Uh, Tommen, I love. You know, Intrigue of Sceptreviews is a great card. There's really not too much more to say on that one. I really struggle with bringing him or Cersei in lists where I can't guarantee the control of the crown, so I'm typically bringing Joffrey to pair with him. And that combo there, you're going to be feeling pretty good about. Kyburn, I'm more excited about than a lot of other players. Lannisters have struggled since their inception with access to vulnerable tokens. They have not been able to throw those out. They've been mostly focused on vulnerable, or I'm sorry, uh, weakened and panic tokens. So being able to suddenly have access to potentially a lot of vulnerable tokens through Kybern is quite welcome, forces difficult decisions on your opponent. Uh, you could think, ah, those vulnerable tokens aren't that big a deal. I really need this zone. And all of a sudden they're getting punched in the face, which I enjoy. So yeah, I think that the Tommen and Kaiburn changes are great. Picel it hurts, but uh, we're going to be moving on to bigger and better things from Pycel.
1: Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, Kyburn, uh, I don't think he had this before. He may not be fielded in an army containing Varys. That's probably because the combo just would have been way too strong. You put, his, you claim, you target two zones, forcing them onto one of you know especially if there's only like three zones left and then you've targeted the two zones you don't care to use a varus token on and now they're forced to take a zone that you're going to use a varus token and trigger a certain effect I think maybe that that effect multiplier with within them would have been maybe too good
2: that's my guess that restriction was uh, already in the game was um, it? Okay. i think it's because they're both master of whisper I mean, that yeah, it's probably
1: thematic uh, more so now that you mention it. And then the other thing I did want to mention, I think Pysol at three tokens would have been amazing if they just changed it to be like, uh, not even exactly like Axel, but just this one part where it's when an enemy attacks before rolling attack dice, make them weakened. Instantly weakened, instantly able to use it three times would be amazing. There'd be no way to heal it, and you could guarantee three um, three attacks in the game that are going to be subjected to we- your weakened token. Excuse me, I your agree. weakened token. Yeah, Barathean's that's a pretty Tags good idea. Dipper,
2: the Dragonstone Noble and Stag's Wit would still laugh.
1: That's true.
2: Yeah, I suppose. The Damn Brassian.
1: Uh, <laughs> All right, God. so... As we wind down, I want to thank everyone. I know we only got through two factions. They were two of the bigger factions. So I'm hopeful that we'll still, and we covered all the other stuff, like the rule book and stuff. So I'm hopeful that we'll we'll be able to definitely get this done in three episodes. So stay tuned for that. Again, thank you all for listening in. Thank you guys for coming on to host with me. uh, And stay tuned for the next episode. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. still here why